0: And the other piece of informal feedback that i got about last last uh, fortnight's episode was about the uh, cannibalism and the uh, and, and and you wanting to get pictures of your brother's operation and uh, susan thought that you were very creepy
1: <laughs> these are very normal things though people want to yeah, see i'm pictures not creepy i'm
0: that's... just curious <laughs> It's a fine line.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, know, back then I was like 20, 21 years old, but even then I'm fascinated by it. It's like, you know, there's all this stuff that you don't get in everyday life. Suddenly there's an opportunity.
1: And people, it's it's part of the things that makes death sort of mysterious and scary and unknown for people. And it's what drives people towards spiritualists and hokum and mediums. Because you don't mm. get you don't get a chance to see that you know there is a finality there's a finale finality to life, you know your body parts. <laughs> and fall
2: hopefully away. there'll
0: be a finale. <laughs>
2: <laughs> at the restaurant at the end of the universe, we'll all be there.
0: Yeah. yeah well, I was thinking more about before I go out with a bang.
2: Ah, okay, all right. You're having a party before you die.
0: <laughs> well, maybe who knows?
2: You might even be dying on your own terms. I mean, given that we now have legalize euthanasia
0: well that's an interesting point i i read some depressing news today about how they reckon that a big chunk of the plankton in the ocean is uh dying and that uh that is likely to cause a major disruption to the food chain in about 25 Mm -hmm. years and um extinction
1: Weren't plankton supposed to be our new sort of food source in the, uh, in the next apocalypse or something?
2: I think, isn't that Spongebob Squarepants? I think the chum bucket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I've never watched Spongebob Squarepants. <laughs> I, I'm vaguely aware of the character and I know right. my kids watched it when they were young, but, uh, <laughs> and the other thing that I've never, ever watched is, um, uh, South Park. But I actually watched an episode of it today, um the one where um they cover John Edward being the biggest douche in the universe.
1: <laughs> oh wow, good that, is that is choice. That is important.
2: There are others, so the Mormon episode needs to be your next one. Okay.
1: Mm. The Scientology right. one's also pretty it's a classic.
2: Yeah, okay. it that does a good job, but the Mormon one um yeah, it has one joke that it plays so well um that it needs to be watched
0: okay well i have to see what i can find uh, anyway shall we get started
2: yeah well we've been recording for five minutes so i wouldn't blame you if you just added this to the content all oh,
0: right okay well that, that sounds good okay
2: <laughs> a long okay. lead into the episode
0: all right uh in case you uh hadn't realized by now you're listening to the ca- uh, No, no. What is it? What do we call this thing? Yeah, not, not the cast. No,
2: dustfire is
1: what we call ourselves.
2: Yeah, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I, I can't say it right. Neither can you. But give it a try. Yeah, nah. But you see, you're too posh. posh. <laughs> it's a little bit quiet there.
1: You're like it's like you're ashamed of who we are. <laughs>
0: all right okay Let's start from the top Oh, all, right. all right okay well i think i think it's pretty clear by now that we're we're recording the year now podcast and today is the 19th of july 2022 and so i'm craig and with me tonight we've got bronwyn Kira, and mark uh howdy <laughs> racist <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs>
2: in mean, went Kiwi so I went American I just thought I was being international
0: <laughs> uh very good okay uh so yeah so we've been talking for a while so um we might just sort of leave that and start and uh just mix things up a little bit I guess I hope we didn't say anything that we shouldn't have
2: <laughs> we'll find out when anyway, the letters come flooding in
0: <laughs> yes yeah, so, well speaking of, speaking of feedback so um we've had a little bit of feedback Uh, so one of the things that uh one of our regular listeners by the name of susan wrote to us was that when we had the discussion about uh the roe v wade uh overturning in the states that we one of the things we didn't mention was that it wasn't just uh, people who uh, could become pregnant who are being affected by this but it's also people who are using drugs to treat other conditions like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus.
1: I think the particular medication that Susan is referring to is called methotrexate.
0: Yeah. So, and the reason the reason that uh, that that's affected is that apparently that can be used as an as an mm-hmm. um,
1: and
0: so mm. uh, pharmacists are uh, reluctant to to um, give it out.
1: I mean, I don't know if I had a chance to discuss it last episode, but um, did I mention anything about misoprostol? Can <laughs> we recall? We all me. listened to the episode last week. Um, because misoprostol is part of that two-stage process for having a medical abortion with early on early on in pregnancy with just drugs. But misoprostol was originally uh, marketed and registered as a medication for um, preventing of ulcers when people are taking non-steroidal, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications. However, it was found that, oh, hey, it can really cause contractions and and you risk a miscarriage. And what they found is that particularly in South America, where you had really restrictive abortion laws, and I know we're going back to that abortion topic, but it is quite relevant to what um, Susan's feedback was. Women found that, oh, hey, this is actually a really good drug to use and there's less risk to it. And how it was being used on the black market um, caught the attention of European doctors. And they found that particularly when babies were coming to term, it was actually a really good medication to use to help um, induce a live birth.
0: Yeah, right. For first-time so you, could, you could perhaps, if you were potentially going to be late, you could uh, make sure that it was sort of closer to what the official due date was, I guess.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's actually something, it's a medication that's actually being used now in New Zealand hospitals um, as a way to help reduce the rate of, First-time mother, first-time mothers having, or first, yeah, first-time pregnant people, um, helping them, helping them avoid caesarean sections.
0: Right, and and so, um, so what proportion of births are caesarean sections in New Zealand?
1: It depends on your DHB. <laughs> it could be quite okay. high.
0: Yeah. yeah, I don't have the, the numbers uh, at
1: the top of my head. I No, don't play right, about right. um, One in three.
2: One in one three. No, I'm making that up because one of three of my wife's pregnancies had a cesarean. So I, I'm basing <laughs> it on a data set of three. Same with me. Wow, there we go. We've proven it, surely. I mean, that's the plural of anecdote is data, right? Well,
1: well you're actually not that wrong. Far off. I'm looking at 2006 data. The rate of cesarean sections in New Zealand is about 24% and rose to about 25% in 2015. Okay, hmm. so a
2: quarter, not a third. We were pretty
0: close.
1: Um, and then I think in 2019, it was about
0: 29.1% of all oh. Well, Mark, you just have to have one more child and then you'll, um, <laughs> shuffle it out to the, to the Too edge.
2: late for that, unfortunately. When, when my wife had the cesarean, they very gingerly asked if, while they were in there, we wanted them to snip her tubes. And we were like, well, if it's a freebie, yeah, definitely throw it in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> might as well, rather than having to cut her open again, you know? Oh, speaking of which I did. When it came to the cesarean incision, stand up when my wife was being cut open just so I could get a better view of it. Um, it was fascinating to watch. Okay, and I and I took some pictures, but yeah, that's just me.
1: <laughs> but but sort of getting back on topic, um, Mysoprostol is also really good post-delivery to help um, stop bleeding. So when you think about countries where you don't have access to refrigeration or secure storage like you would need for a medication like Syntocinon, which is more of a solution that can be added to fluids and you get through your IV line, someone who is not necessarily a professionally or university trained healthcare professional, but maybe somebody who's like the local healthcare assistant, they can be taught the regime to administer these pills to someone who's local and actually help um, them reduce the rates of maternal um, maternal mortality in their region. However, because of something called the Mexico City Agreement which was put in place by Ronald Reagan, organizations or um, NGOs, non-governmental organizations and charities which may distribute misoprostol have to be very very careful about the usage because they can easily lose. At least when there's a Republican president involved, they can at least lose all of their funding. Right. Because- yeah, so we,
0: yeah, so we covered that last time, didn't we? That was Yeah, the- we did. Right. So right.
1: I mean, you know, it's quite it's quite relevant what Susan's saying is that, you know, medications have multiple uses, sometime on on market, sometime off label. Right. And people right. don't. And if you don't know your medici- you don't know your medicines. Um, these laws can have wide, wide effects.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, so in a previous episode, we also talked about uh, gender, and I note that recently um, Stephen Novella on science based medicine has written a very, very good article called "The Science of Biological Sex." Uh, which was published about a week ago Um, so that's actually a pretty good article to to have a read of and then if you want to uh really spend some time you could delve into the comments (laughs) shall shall we put a link in the show notes to that one (laughs) yeah yes i think so um you know it is a good read um and it sort of lays out how People misinterpret um, their high school biology education in order to support the idea that there are only two sexes and uh, that gender is is not a real thing and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's definitely definitely worth a read to educate yourself. Yeah. I will put the link into the chat
2: right there. Wow, Craig, this is modern technology. I'm
0: loving it. It is, isn't it? It is, isn't it?
2: And if I click on it. What happened? Oh, it's opened the article. Okay, this is cool.
1: Wow, it's kind of like, like a radio show and we need to just have somebody <laughs> with like a pair of shoes walking across a plate of gravel. Just give us some real sound effects, you know? Like how would we do a sound effect of clicking the link and
2: well I'm hoping the click the on page. my I'm hoping the clink the click on my computer comes through that it was loud enough that everybody will be able to hear it. I was going to talk about the uh, slightly less serious and more hilarious high vibration moon crystal healing bracelet. If you can fit that in, in one breath.
0: All right.
1: I think we can talk about all the topics that we wanted. It is our podcast.
2: (laughs) Oh, can can we? Oh, that's (laughs) going to be awesome.
1: (laughs) I think our our listeners who want more than an hour of us gas bagging, I think they'd appreciate it.
2: (laughs) Listeners who want more than an hour of us gas bagging should come to our se- skeptics in cyberspace on Friday. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, it was too, too early for that. Wasn't it? That's was meant to be end of the episode. I, I'm absolutely We're happy.
0: Really, <laughs> really mixing it up this week. I know. Okay. So the moon crystals, the moon rocks. Uh, the moon yeah. Hang bones. on. I think, or, or I three think waters. I just missed... What are we doing? The moon <laughs> crystals, the moon rocks. What are they?
2: Uh, Yeah, so this was something that Mads, one of our regular contributors on Facebook, posted recently, Um, and she'd found a Facebook advert for this high vibration moon crystal healing bracelet, which just reminded me of so many other nonsense bracelets. Um, So I wrote in the newsletter about the amber teething. Uh, Bracelets. There are bracelets and necklaces that you can buy to try and help stop your kids' teething. They're dangerous. Um, There's the power balance bands, which were just one of the most stupid of the um, the frauds involving bracelets. The idea that, you know, they were worth a hundred bucks and could improve sports performance was ridiculous. But somehow they were a real craze. Uh, and then magnetic bracelets. I talked about um, the history, a little bit of the history of magnetic bracelets in New Zealand. A couple of companies who, um, who ended up getting into fisticuffs at a wellness fair, which was such a funny thing to read back in the day. Um, honestly, given... What I know of the guy that runs one of those two companies, Zentech, I'm not surprised that they ended up having a little bit of a fight. Um, But yes, (laughs) these people are very opinionated about the fact that A, their product works and B, other people's products don't. But (laughs) this product that that I found on Facebook from Mads was... I, kind of exciting at first it was a moon crystal and they had this like data sheet about what a moon crystal is but as i started reading it i realized that actually it's nothing more than glass um it's silicon dioxide and they've just basically labeled glass as moon crystal et voila suddenly we've got this magical healing thing that sounds all alternative but it's not it's just it's It's glass. I I don't know what else to say about it. It's glass beads on a bracelet. It does not realign your blood cells, which is what they say it does. But beyond that, they also said about your lymphatic nodes and how maybe you could have a lymphatic disease. And did you know that magnets could help treat this and they'll keep you safe from having lymph issues? So there was a real thing of scaremongering in there but the, the thing they targeted beyond that the video that was posted that was really weird basically focused on arm flab, and that one was just so odd to see that it had these women who had excess skin around their upper arms and they basically showed it but then they chose someone without this and there was no way of knowing whether it was the same person in both videos it was just a case of look here's someone with arm flab and here's someone without And it was like, well, how do I know if this is the same person? It was, yeah, it was a really weird specific thing to focus on. I don't know how many customers they're going to get from that. And I'm pretty damn sure that these glass beads do not help with this issue. Um, As somebody pointed out to me the other day, it might just have been someone that had this problem who, you know, in the second one might have used clothes pegs to hold them out of the way. Um, I really don't know. There are so many ways of cheating on this video. Um, And it's totally unauthenticated. But I guess it's doing the rounds on Facebook. I think with Facebook, a lot of the time you pay enough money, and you get to be put in front of a lot of people. And you know, a glass bracelet, what, 2 $3 to make? They were charging $25 a piece. So they're going to make a little bit of profit, not a huge amount, but maybe they're, maybe they're aiming for volume on this. But the other thing I considered, and I've definitely seen this happen before with products on Facebook, is the fact that you hand your credit card details over to a company on Facebook, and it's not just that $25 charge that you see happening. You start to see more charges come rolling in and uh, yeah, basically, once the company's got your card, they can just keep charging you. So, you know, one thing I wrote about was was the worry that this is what could happen to you, not just for this product, but pretty much anything that's not from a reputable dealer. If you're not buying from a an obviously reputable online shop, there's a chance that this could happen to you. And you've really got to watch out for that.
0: You are protected by your credit card company so that you can um, get refunds and, Uh, because essentially it is fraud but still it's a pain in the neck to do because essentially you have to get your credit card replaced and um
2: yeah and i think you've got to be fairly quick as well right you've got to let them know fairly quickly that this charge has happened um Hmm. that you know after a certain amount of time i don't think they will reverse the charge for you or they can't reverse the charge
0: as as i understand it uh, having having a uh, a spouse who works in the banking industry, specifically in credit cards, the credit card companies they don't they don't necessarily reverse the charge to the um I mean they 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 don't in order for you to be protected they don't need to be able to get the money back from okay. the person you pay the money to you will get your money back anyway so sometimes they, they will
2: it. They'll wear the cost and this is just their insurance to let people know that it's safe to use your credit card yes. because they will cover it even if, even if the transaction isn't still ongoing and they can't reverse it. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, well, I wonder whether, so the, I, there was a friend I had uh, have that who a few years ago bought a weight loss product on Facebook and she started seeing extra charges appearing on her card, which was slightly worrying Um, I'm not sure whether she ended up getting her money back, but hopefully she did.
0: So um, have either of you purchased products from less reputable dealers and, and sort of been less than pleased with the product you received?
2: Not the product, but I... So there was a time last year when either myself or my wife ended up making a purchase somewhere that our credit card details ended up being used uh, in the middle of the night in Australia on several car parts websites. Mm. There were suddenly purchases for a few hundred dollars going through at like 3 a.m. I think it might've been me. I went onto one of those hippie organic food places online and I bought cacao because I wanted to make fresh chocolate. And I can't help but think that I'm the reason that it happened because they certainly (laughs) didn't feel like a very reputable seller. I mean, it was a New Zealand company, and I think it's probably less likely they stole my card details, more likely they just didn't look after my card details very well that um, you know, maybe their payment processor wasn't so good or maybe their website had been hacked and people are just sitting there pulling card details as they go through. But yeah, whatever happened, I get the feeling I might've been the one that caused that.
1: Um, there was a time when I was a little less savvy about multi-level marketing schemes and of course, um, having lived on a military base, I was invited to go hang out with the other military wives. Um, I guess you can say how unpopular I was in high school because I have not received an invitation from any of my former classmates to join their MLMs. <laughs> so I didn't really have that experience. Um, but nonetheless, it was for a food ingredient What I've now come to know as an MLM. And, but they had really, it was really good food, maybe a little bit expensive for what it was, but just different flavorings. Anyways, I ordered a kit, not a starter kit, not a join the business kit, but just a particular food ingredient kit. And that was great. I enjoyed it. Wasn't going to buy it again. And then the next month, the package shows up on my front door. (laughs) Um, And there's a charge. And so I end up going back to the person who I bought it from and I'm like, what's this about? And come to find out that she didn't realize it was an MLM either. (laughs) Even though she was a (laughs) distributor, she didn't realize it would, they would be doing this sort of automatic shipping.
0: Uh, I see.
1: I was able to uh, cancel the membership I didn't realize I had signed up for.
0: I'm just, I'm thinking back now to my first experience of a kind of a scam and I think, When I was sort of in my early teens, I signed up to an Encyclopedia Britannica sort of sales thing, where if you got a demonstration of the encyclopedias, then you got to get a free bookshelf. (laughs) And I thought that was quite a good deal. And anyway, so I rode away for that. And this guy turned up at our door and wanted to show us the encyclopedias. And and I said, well, no, we we just want the free bookshelf. (laughs) And he was... He was, uh, I think, a bit pissed off, actually, because he came come out in the middle of the night to do this demonstration. And...
2: Oh, brilliant.
1: Um, but one thing that has come to mind when you're talking about, you know, I watch the videos, and one thing that sort of comes to mind to me, particularly because there's a lot of emphasis on the um, arm jiggling a lot, um, that's quite a niche interest for um, people who are interested in the fetishization of fat bodies. You know, Is it? Is yeah, it? the, idea, the no. idea of, you know, People pay money. Um, you know, sometimes they'll do Patreons for just plain YouTube influencers and have them jiggle their jiggle their tummies or wiggle or wiggle parts of their body. People want to pay for that.
2: Oh, well that that's nice that some people can make money out of that. That
1: yeah. so, sounds I mean, very wholesome. So maybe it's not necessarily all about that piece of glass jewelry. Maybe there's um some other engagement. They're
2: aiming for that market. Mm. Okay. I'd I'd be surprised. Maybe how
0: big that market is.
1: They'll be the eyes who will constantly watch that video over and over again.
2: But yeah, so the the (laughs) take-home message of this is it's not doing anything. It's not realigning your blood cells, which was their big claim. Um, Mm. That whole idea is laughable that, you know, something slightly magnetic, which as far as I could tell, they haven't even put magnets on this product. But even if they have it's not going to be doing anything with your blood cells. And if it did, it's going to attract your blood cells or repel them, which is push them one way or the other. It's not going to magically make them turn and face one direction. Um, and-, and from
0: memory, having read about this in the past, I believe that the form that the iron is in in your blood cells means that it's actually not ferromagnetic anyway. So magnets okay. couldn't actually have any effect on it. It's not in well, the right form.
2: There's that as well. And yes, I I would not want to guess whether blood cells facing in the same direction flow better or worse than in random directions. (laughs) Having studied fluid flow at university, uh, that is a big black box that's very scary, even when it's linear um, or laminar, sorry, let alone when it becomes turbulent flow.
0: So do you think maybe the skeptics should run a campaign warning people of the dangers of putting magnets near their um, blood cells? (laughs) because of the adverse effects that it could have on the fluid dynamics of the blood running through your veins
2: i don't think so actually i saw someone at work today he showed me the bracelet that he wears which is properly magnetic um and i you know instantly like what the hell are you wearing that for um and it turns out that he he loves working on cars in his spare time he's a bit of a bogan and apparently when you're taking screws and nuts and bolts out of cars it's really handy to be able to just stick them to this meta this um, magnetic bracelet because then you don't lose them and i was like oh actually that's a really good idea
0: yeah that's a very good use for it yeah i think you'd think if um if this really was an effect then you wouldn't actually put it around your wrist you'd actually have it strapped around your chest close to where all the heart is flowing through. So uh, the blood is flowing through. So close to your heart, surely that would be more effective. That
2: would make a lot more sense. Yes. And maybe again, maybe the skeptics need to get into the business of selling these. What are we going to call them? Chest bands? Magnetic chest band doesn't sound good. We've got to think of a better name for them, but I think there's money to be made.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. I I think our ethics would prevent that. (laughs) I hope so.
1: And I think Mark, you had me do, um, After I had the um, first round of vaccinations, you had me try to uh, put a magnet to my arm because, of course, it was the vaccines (laughs) that used to be uh, magnetizing.
2: (laughs) I did. And did it stick? No, No, (laughs) but it did with me because I'm a little probably a little bit sweatier than you are, Bronwyn. But I tried the same thing once I got my injection and the magnet stuck, but it stuck Mm. before I got the vaccine and it stuck after I got the vaccine. It didn't stick as soon as I put talcum powder on my arm. As soon as I did that, there was no more sticking.
0: No, that's um, anti-magnetic.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> and I'll also say now that I have um, the most recent booster, still not magnetized.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm have getting... you tried, though? Can you go and get us a magnet quickly and give it a try for us? Oh, my God. Just... Wait here, everybody. Oh,
0: Thank you. I, the guys oh, can on. try to do some
2: uh, sound effects. I think walking presume the door, this isn't going to work. Walking to the kitchen. I reckon it might jump to stick. to the
0: conclusion that it won't work. She's four injections
2: in now, right? Surely after four injections, it's going to be magnetic.
0: Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm, Here I'm we getting go. my fourth next week. Here we go. <sighs> All and
1: right. This was the arm I got injected in. Um, for anyone who obviously can't see what I'm doing, I'm showing my right arm. Okay.
2: Oh,
0: oh fell and it, did off. Not oh, it stick. fell
1: off. Yeah, it fell off. Yeah,
0: but you have to try it on the other pole because maybe you're no. <laughs> you're repelling what,
1: it. What on the other side of the arm?
0: <laughs> Who knows? No, no, turn it
2: around. <laughs> oh, turn it around. What? Stick the non-magnetic side. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's the oh, other oh, pole. The
1: non-magnetic side.
2: Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, try oh, okay.
0: that. Right. Okay. No. All right. proving it does yeah, not work
1: in a, in a completely you know um, appropriate environment
2: you have done well right. you are now a scientist congratulations
1: hooray
0: we've we've done moonstones do we you know, we decide there are moonstones or moon rocks or moon, moon
2: crystals? crystals yeah i got okay. confused and thought they were moonstones at first and then it was oh no it's not even that they're not even selling a cheapish semi-precious gem they're just selling glass hmm. very sad but yeah so what are we going to talk about next <laughs>
0: Well, the, the there was the, the Georgia Guidestones that came to an end uh, a couple of weeks ago. So the Georgia Guidestones have been around since the early 1980s. So this is Georgia in the US, and they were erected by um, a company uh, that was sort of contracted by this mysterious figure, R.C. Christian. Um, to put up these these stones sort of out in rural Georgia, some quite large slabs of granite, uh, weighing 20 tons each, and they had inscriptions on the sides of them in eight different languages. Uh, there was English, Spanish, Russian, Chinese, Arabic, Hindi, Swahili, and Hebrew. Apparently, at the time, those were the uh, most uh, used languages in the world. I wonder if that's still the case.
2: I wonder if it was even the case back then. I mean, this was before the days of the internet, right?
0: Mm, mm. Did they they find that out from an
2: encyclopedia?
0: They've got Chinese and Hindi covered, so that that represents the two largest countries in the world. So, Yeah,
2: and Spanish and English.
0: Anyway, so there were these um, inscriptions that were sort of controversial and uh, thought to be sort of satanic. Um, So for example, there's um, maintained humanity under 500,000, 500 million in perpetual balance of nature. So uh, I heard this week that uh, this year, uh, we're going to be having the 8 billionth human on the earth. So that's uh, that's um, sixteen times what the Georgia Guidestones stones are recommending. So I guess both of those things are quite shocking. Um, so when when these were erected, um, the, pop- the world population was around about four billion, I think, back in back in billion. Does that sound right?
2: Billion, I not million.
0: Billion, billion. Oh, okay. Billion,
2: but really <laughs> four billion, billion, and yeah, we've already I gone to so. eight billion around now. Wow, doubling that's in listed. forty years
0: it's not easily Googleable <laughs> it wants to show me what the populations are for each of the different countries so I'm not going to add that up but 4.4 um, yes.
2: billion in 1980
0: yes we've we've grown quite a lot uh yeah so uh and this is kind of gets translated into well this is sort of plays in with a new world order about how we want to reduce human population which uh, it seems, seems to be a misinterpretation of what the in, intention of the, of the rules or the, of the guides were, I suppose. Um, I think, Mark, you were mentioning that um, the, these are sort of erected around the time of great fear about, about nuclear holocaust and, and a large portion of the population being, being wiped out and how when the population comes back, we would have to sort of maintain it at a lower level.
2: Yeah, so all the 10 rules kind of read like they are a guide for kind of a post-apocalyptic Earth, the idea that, um, you know, and at the time it was nuclear war that was hanging over everybody, but there was an idea that mankind was heading a direction where we were going to mostly wipe ourselves out. And I think there was a certain arrogance to whoever this guy was that decided to make these guidestones that everybody would need this set of 10 items that he listed on stones. Um, And it really does feel quite arrogant to me. But yes, the idea was that if you just happen to follow these 10 rules, that should be enough that you could restart civilization better. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I read them and it's like, they're a mixture of the common sense and... I guess overly simplistic a lot of the time it's like you know without any instructions on how to do this, how the hell would a future group of people know how to do it? and I think there's even something that kind of obliquely mentions God in there somewhere
0: Well it, so there's a there's rule number four, which is rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason, which which sounds pretty pretty good, I guess. but whats yes. is it number nine? Number nine is prized truth, beauty, and love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Ah, yes, the infinite. There we go. God, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Although maybe it's the the universe. Maybe God is the
2: universe. I suppose it's written fluffily enough that you could think of it as being that. Um, But what I love about these Guidestones is the, you know, the conspiracy theories that have popped up about them, right? There have been various ideas over the years about um, not... Not the proper conspiracy, which is who made them. That's the interesting story. Um, But, you know, these stupid ideas about how it it is tied in with the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum wanting to reduce the population um, or that it is a friend told me recently after I'd looked into it the other day that apparently another theory is that it it does open a gate to hell. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that would be cool to see if it was true but i don't think so
0: sure so they um they got destroyed um the other week because uh somebody went and planted some explosives uh beneath one of them and 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 blew it up at 4 a.m in the morning and uh so they've had to dismantle all of them because they destabilized the the structure um, um, so because-
1: apparently there's a time capsule there though so i'm wondering well, if they're trying to get a time capsule and if they did what's in it
0: yeah so that so there was a plaque uh, at the the site saying that there was a time capsule buried six feet beneath them and so when the construction crew came out to dismantle the um, slabs because they were dangerous they actually dug down to see if they could find the time capsule and they they couldn't mm-hmm. um so it appears that it was never it was never put in the ground. Um and there was an inscription on a plaque that sort of alluded to it its existence, but it also had a date, it had room on it for a date that was never actually filled in.
1: Yeah, and um, it's two dates that weren't on. Um, you know, it says I'm looking at a picture of it and it says um the capsule placed six feet below this spot on and it's blank, and then to be hmm. open on blank. So
0: hmm.
1: it seems like it was never there.
0: Yeah. And it seems to be that why would you place a time capsule after you directed the stones? Surely it would be much easier to put it in the ground before you went and put 24, 20 ton um, slabs of <laughs> granite on top of them.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I guess it was, it was off to the, the, the side. Day. Maybe they ran out of money. Maybe they were worried that they'd be found out if they went back out there again to work on it. Maybe they saw the tide turn so quickly that they thought twice about putting their name to it. Cause I'd imagine it's likely that a time capsule would have been kind of an announcement as to who did it. I mean, what else are you going to put in a time capsule? The rest of the monument is meant to be for humanity hundreds or thousands of years in the future. If you're giving a specific date, you'd expect that maybe to be like, you know, a date after they would have expected the maker to have died. So he's safe mm-hmm. being able to say that he did it. Um, but yeah. I guess there could be a few reasons why it was never very disappointing it would have been great to have had the mystery solved by having the guy actually write A who he was and B what his motivations were although Mm. from what I've read maybe those motivations aren't so good maybe they were might be quite white in their thinking, mm-hmm. um, which is not the nicest. But yeah, I mean, with the destruction, that's another fascinating bit. You know, there were so many people, conspiracy theorists and, and evangelical Christians who'd been calling for them to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. I'm not too surprised that somebody eventually went out and did it. it. It almost felt like it was, no, that's a pun, isn't it? I was going to say a ticking time bomb, but no, no, I don't like mm-hmm. that one. <laughs> it was It was just an accident waiting to happen. Accident in scare quotes.
1: I mean, maybe yeah. we need to see if there's a cue drop regarding these guidestones.
2: <laughs> Q did post for the first time in ages the other day. I haven't read what he wrote, Ooh. but apparently, yeah, we, we have a new cue drop.
0: Mm. Yes, I recall reading about there too, but I can't remember the details of what it was. <clears throat> it was um, probably just something uh, as nonsensical as everything else that's, uh, that's been written. Mm-hmm. He wrote,
2: shall we play a game once more? What does That's that mean? it. Sorry, there's there's nothing more.
1: Well, clearly he doesn't know how to play dominoes. If he needs to set, if he needs to tip over these guidestones with a bomb,
0: <laughs> shall we play a game once more? Hmm. Who knows what that means? It, but it, don't we already know who Q is?
2: No, people have some kind of fair idea, but we don't know for definite.
0: So, Ron Watkins. Is the suspected guy?
2: Yeah. um, Is Ron the son?
0: I thought he was the dad.
2: No, Ron's the son. And yes, it seems like that's the prevailing theory. And someone did video him for a documentary, kind of slipping up and talking like Q was him. But that's not proof. You know, people can slip up and say something untrue as well as slipping up and saying something true accidentally. So it, it certainly suggests, but I would I don't think it's proven. I don't think we can say that yet.
0: Right. Uh, Jim Watkins was the father, that's right.
2: Yes, and Jim Watkins has a love of fountain pens and so on and so forth. So there are definitely there are connections with both father and son that look sus. But I mean, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if it turned out to be someone totally different.
0: Bromman.
1: The topic that both of you are most interested in because uh yeah. you guys have I didn't po- read
2: the article.
1: <laughs> well, you guys both I clearly I- have, we, you both guys have clearly have two poor of hips to know what a hip hip cock dance is. So yes, the Hippocratic Oath. Um absolutely inspired by um how it's constantly coming up. Um again, we're talking about Roe versus Wade. And people claiming that, you know, first do no harm. And the Hippocratic Oath says you should not procure an abortion. You read it in the ancient Greek, and it says neither of those things. Hmm. In the article, I talk a little bit about the particular, the specificness of the Greek word um, ton tampon, which is a very specific type of um, medical procedure or medical intervention that can procure an abortion and within the Greek text and particularly within the wider Hippocratic corpus of which, of course, multiple problems in terms of manuscript tradition, you know, isn't the only way for an abortion to occur. The one thing I didn't quite go into in depth as much as is about the have people saying that you, how can I say it? It's people claiming that the oath has the phrase first do no harm. It doesn't have that. Um, that's, that's a translation of a completely different Hippocratic text. What is said, and it, it's interesting because the Wikipedia article that I linked to that has a translation, in the section that could potentially be interpreted as saying, um, first do no harm, they translate it as and I will read it out. Into whatsoever houses I enter, I will enter to help the sick, and I will abstain from intentional wrongdoing and harm, especially from abusing the bodies of men or women bond or free. However, abusing the bodies of men or women, how would you interpret that phrase?
0: I guess you could, you could interpret it one way in that you wouldn't take advantage of um, these people, and in sort of a sexual manner or whatever, to, in touching touching somebody inappropriately.
1: Like, well, I would sort of initially interpret it as saying, you know, you wouldn't hurt somebody. Sure. Yeah. But again, you you were kind of hitting on that on that you know the other way that you can say abuse. Um, the word is aphrodison, kind of like Aphrodite. It means that you're not going mm. to seduce. Oh, It's right. a very specific translation. Um, you okay. know, okay. Or engage in sexual intercourse. So, and so it really taught this whole oath. Some people have suggested that it's a Pythagorean oath. Um, That's been sort of largely dismissed. It it has a lot of religious overtones because within the culture of ancient Greece and their religious life, there's a lot of emphasis placed on purification and pollution. Things that can cause pollution, which means you cannot enter a religious temple until you go through a cleansing process, include childbirth, murder, death, um, some sexual activities, sacrilege. So when you look through this oath, you're seeing a lot of things where, you know, if it happened in a temple, you're polluting the temple or you're polluting (laughs) yourself and you need to go through a process of cleansing. So potentially, this is more of a religious document than anything else. And I can see why it appeals to Christians and to people who are pro-life. It's something that really reaffirms, you know, their beliefs in a very old, old document that they can reach down the millennia to, to draw on and saying, yes, even my ancestors, believed in this it's so true it's because it's so
0: old um now now, hang on hang on some people have objected to the use of the phrase pro-life
1: well yes Uh, anti-abortion
0: anti-abortion forced birthers yeah (sighs)
2: let's my opinion on this which isn't worth much because i'm a man Mm. but it's that we stick to the terms that are in common usage because i think picking terms that one side is happier rather than the other side is i don't think it helps the discourse you're going to annoy some people maybe if we can walk walk that middle line a little bit and you know use the phrases that are most used
0: mm. so anti abortion then
1: yeah it's a topic at hand
2: anyway sorry pro choice pro life we're done nice and easy
1: sure old man <laughs> <laughs> But in writing this article, it was interesting to see how, you know, as much as still the modified and recent version by La Saga of the Hippocratic Oath is quite popular, and this traditional version isn't really used anymore, there are multiple different versions. Um, You know, the pharmacists have an oath, the osteopaths have an oath, and there's even an oath for um, Muslim physicians. So a lot of, and and the Geneva, um, there's a Geneva Oath, which people are, that's, which is really popular as well.
2: please. Please tell me that the Muslim oath is um, first do no haram.
1: <laughs> well, maybe you should do your research there, Mark.
2: <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm happier with that sitting in my head, to be quite honest. <laughs> I think that might be the first funny joke I've ever told in my whole life. <laughs>
0: So, do midwives have an oath?
1: We have our um, standards of practice. So we we don't sit down and read the ICM statement of what a midwife is. That's we don't have those sort of swearing in ceremonies. The popularity of the Hippocratic oath comes from the universities. If you have a culture or a society where you have those rituals and celebrations, then something like an oath is a way to bond and come together as a profession or as a graduating class. And that was something mm. that sort of gets adopted, that got adopted, started off in Germany in about the 1500s and then sort of m- made its way through Europe and the United States. Um, right. Midwifery, um, because I guess we're a bit more of a, we're not so much a guild, like you would say. Um we're not a, you know, we are an occupation, we are a vocation, but we just don't have those. We, and, I, and I think also in New Zealand, we don't do that sort of, we don't have those sort of oath making like you would see no.
0: elsewhere. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm going to be attending my daughter's graduation uh, now that she's a doctor later on this year. I'll be interested to see whether there's an oath that happens at that ceremony.
1: Mm. And potentially it's not uncommon, I think for the New Zealand universities, they do sometimes let the students alter or modify the oath to um, what's appropriate to them. And oh. one of the medical schools, um, they sort of had the Maori students would um, sort of do something in Maori as well.
2: Okay. So do you know what the kind of common changes would be for someone?
1: I think they sort of go again for that more, that modified version that's done by La Saga. So, the, you know, you don't, you're not making an oath to the gods. Maybe it's something that could be a little bit more relevant to what your school year, what your year students have gone to, maybe a reflection of maybe ethical challenges that you've um, faced and what you want right. to focus on.
2: Oh, Cool. So
1: if you want to talk about consent or, you know, building that relationship, putting your patient first, you may find um, changes like that being added or emphasized.
0: It appears, though, that when lay people bring up the Hippocratic Oath, they essentially are trying to weaponize it to say that you doctors have signed this Hippocratic oath, which means that, first, do no harm, therefore you cannot promote things like vaccines, which may harm you.
1: Yeah, I, I think essentially it's people not understanding, not knowing what medical school really is beyond what they see in popular media. And right. certainly in a lot of American TV shows, you have, you know, if they have a white coat ceremony, which is a ceremony where the doctors graduate and they get the coats, And they do this sort of thing, and it's mentioned sort of willy nilly in American TV. You think you know something. You know, you think you have this, you know, this sort of common sense general knowledge. Um, As I show in the article, it's actually, you know, there's a lot of variations, and people aren't saying making the oath the way people think they are.
0: So misconceptions abound. (laughs) Exactly. What else do we need to talk about?
1: Um, As Mark already sort of preempted with Membership Corner. Sorry. We have Skeptics in Cyberspace this Friday. It'll be at 6 p.m. We will post the link up on the Skeptics and NZ Skeptics Facebook page. Um, mm-hmm. Any other activities happening next week? I think we'll have our in-person meeting at 6 p.m. on Friday at the Intercontinental Hotel. So next Friday, inside the hotel, in the hot, in the hotel bar. That's where we'll meet at 6 p.m. And do we have any any other activities, Mark?
2: I don't think so. This week's activism meetings being canceled because Daniel is in Australia. He's fled our fair shores. I think he wants to go and contract covid by the sounds of things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's having fun while he's doing it, though.
2: He does seem to be. Um, but yes, yeah, so we will be back for activism just over two weeks from now. And I think that's about it, really. Um, and as always,
1: I mean, if you have, if, if any of our listeners have a topic that they want us to write about for the newsletter or talk about in the podcast, we are interested. <clears throat> no,
2: not not no? If, not if users have a topic they want us to write about. If users, <laughs> if listeners have a topic they want to write about for us um we would love to publish it for them and then we would love to talk to you on the podcast as well if you're amenable to that if not that is also absolutely fine but yeah if anybody has got a bugbear they've got an itch they want to scratch and short or long badly written or word perfect we don't care we can clean things up just uh, give us your articles and uh and we'll chuck them in the newsletter and everybody else can read them
0: sounds good all right so are we done
2: <laughs> when you put it like that you make this sound like a chore rather than the joy that it is
0: well it's kind of like he's an got auction
2: time what he's <laughs> got i do have to reiterate this is a very enjoyable thing recording this podcast good. i good. really very really good. enjoy it. very
0: good <laughs> excellent well
2: you have got to say the same you can't just say good good excellent you have to agree <laughs> and say yes so do i
0: i do enjoy it and then i have to edit it <laughs>
2: And that sucks all the joy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, on balance, well, (laughs) it comes out a watch.
2: (laughs) Oh dear! Well, thank you for your service to the Skeptic Society, Craig. You're amazing.
0: I know, I know. (laughs) But I still like being told. (laughs) Anyway,
1: the glorious leader.
0: (laughs) Oh Jesus.
2: Don't overdo it, Bronwyn. Let's keep it genuine feeling, even if we're not genuine.
0: (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, let's, uh, we'll wind this up then. So you have been listening to the Year Now podcast. And if you'd like to give us some feedback, you can come and talk to us on Twitter at Pod or send us an email to newsletter at skeptics.nz. We will see you all next time. Bye. Au revoir.
2: I don't have anything foreign. Bye.